Grinning Cyberspace, and welcome to episode 69 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, after the craziness of the last few weeks, we're back to relative normalcy here on Double Density. Angelo, I feel like it's been forever since we've actually spoken to each other on a microphone in real time. So I have to ask you, like, how's your summer been? It's been pretty good. It does feel like it's been forever. I feel like we have like we should have like special music in the background playing. It's like when two like when you go to camp and you come back and your neighborhood friends ask you what's up. Yeah, uh, but it's what been two weeks, uh, two and a half, three, two and a half. Almost? Yeah, and uh, you recorded with uh, someone else while I was away. Right. So last week's episode was with TJ of Pines and Puzzles and uh, the forthcoming notes from the attic. And then I recently recorded an appearance uh, with Rob uh, for an episode of Our Strange Guys. Uh, all about one of my favorite horrible movies on Earth, and that should be coming out, I do believe, later on this week, if not early next week. Double density. You enjoyed your time over at Disney World, I hope. I did, and I even managed to snag the coveted in-show exit. Do you know what that is? N- no, I don't know what that is. Hold on, I'm sorry, I was drinking. Go on. Well, that's what Disney calls like a massive malfunction of a ride. Okay. Where it's so bad that it's not like it just stops and then starts, which that happens... More often than one would think, but an in-show exit is when a ride breaks down mechanically and they cannot fix it. What ride were you on? And explain some of the circumstances to us. It sucks because I was on a ride I was really looking forward to doing, and uh, my son was really looking forward to it because it was going to be his his first time on it because he hasn't been able to go, and that was the Seven Dwarves Minecart. Okay. And it broke down just as we were getting to the exciting part where it, it brings you up the hill and then drops you. Uh, Ever so gently, though, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it honestly, Disney newer Disney roller coasters are extraordinarily smooth. You don't hear any clickety clacks. You just kind of glide along the rails. But isn't that fun? Like that, that part of the fun is like the danger of it all. Like not knowing if this is going to end right. Well, yeah, you have Big Thunder Mountain Railroad for that, and that okay, is super loud. Uh, so loud I had to block my kids' ears because I, I think they were going to uh, drive him crazy. But he was okay on it, and he was looking forward to this one. And unfortunately, it broke down. And I knew we were going to come off because as soon as they said it, it wasn't, okay, this ride will start up shortly. Uh, It's stay in your seat. We're coming and get you. And I think we were the last ones evacuated because we were in a good spot. We're indoors, not in the blazing sun and straight. So we weren't like on a curve or something because there are a few cars on there, right? It's not just one roller coaster. Right. Um, So they came. uh, They brought us bottles of water. They helped us out. They were super nice. And it was really interesting seeing this ride with the lights on. Was it, How weird was that? It was weird. I, I did post a couple of images on Instagram. I think I did anyway. And uh, it's kind of neat. I think I'll post some more maybe, or I'll post some uh, in the show notes. And yeah, it, it was really cool. Uh, my kid was super disappointed though. My daughter, who was like looking forward to an in-show exit, but not this one. She wanted to do this ride. She was kind of looking forward to getting stuck on one of the water rides because that would be kind of cool to see one poor cast member have to go in wading boots and push you along the ride. Capitalism, folks, right here, live and direct. Uh, but it was pretty neat, broke down, and even Disney is not infallible. Otherwise, though, you enjoyed all of the neat tech aspects that we discussed two episodes ago? Yeah, the the Disney stuff worked really well. The uh, the the My Disney experience got us through getting some fast passes. Because I'm Canadian, I turned off my data while I was in Disney World, but there's plenty of Wi-Fi to go around, and it's not bad. There's a few dead spots here and there, but not too bad. Well, I'm glad to have you back. I mean, uh, big thanks to TJ for guest hosting with me, but uh, it feels like we need to get back into uh, the groove of things here. 
Um, definitely, for sure. I, I'm feeling a little lost. I had so much trouble. I think I hung up on you on Skype getting together, and then I couldn't hear you, and it was an issue on my end because it didn't turn up the volume enough on my audio interface. More interestingly, though, I want to discuss how you couldn't even remember how to shower. What do you mean I couldn't remember how to shower? You literally told me on your the, the day back you got confused about <laughs> how the shower works. Oh, yeah. So I got into my shower and I almost burned myself because I turned the knob the wrong way. I, I don't know why. Because at Disney World, it was at the opposite, opposite way. Oh, shoot. You're going to be one of those people, those at Disney World people, aren't you, for the next little while? No, no, I'm fine now. Everything is okay. At Disney I, World, you know, Walt Disney comes out and he gives you steaks. This, uh, Mickey came and gave us food. There you go. Point my, to my point. Literally, you just proved my point right. I did, didn't I? Yes, anyway, did. <laughs> I'm fine. I didn't burn myself. I'm okay. And uh, all is well in uh, Angela world. No third degree burns? No, totally fine. Good. And your kids are okay? Everybody's good. I'm actually alone tonight. My uh, wife is at her mom's place for a couple of nights or maybe just tonight because her mom lives out in the country. And it's nice to get fresh country air as I return back to work. Yes. Uh, to the uh, grindstone, you go, my friend. Did you bring me anything back? No. Well, this has been a very short episode of Double Density. I will talk to you next week, Angela. I did get something new, though. So I'm very excited <laughs> to hear what this is because you've been playing this up for the last like day. And it better be good because if it's not, I'm going to be so angry at you. I've been messing with you saying I have a new backup service. I got a new hard drive. But no, I, uh, on Saturday, got a Nintendo Switch. Oh, this is a good one. Okay, good. Yes. No, this is a good thing to buy. Okay. I was worried there was going to be something stupid like <laughs> a new uh, Google Home or you bought yourself an AirPod or something stupid like that. But you bought yourself something for the whole family. Exactly. Uh, on uh, on Saturday, I went to the Best Buy nearby here and uh, we bought a nintendo switch a pro controller and super mario odyssey that uh is a great thing to start with are you gonna be one of those people who is looking forward to the new smash brothers i am my kids are looking forward to it as well and i I, you know what i i I didn't tell you anything and i wanted to hear your reaction when we recorded this and you uh really made me happy your reaction because that's what i was hoping for was a genuinely happy sounding brian Usually when you say you've bought new things, I get really worried about it being something super dumb and lame. But for once, you've actually come through. So congrats to you. I want you, after you finish recording, to call your family and congratulate them on being a good family. Yeah, exactly. My wife wasn't super stoked about me getting the kids to go buy a Switch, but um, I had said I was going to buy one uh, in this half of the year. It just ended up being sooner rather than later. And uh, the funny thing is, is on Sunday, um, my wife had gone out. I was alone with the kids. We were going to play some video games. And my son's like, yes, let's play Mario Kart 8. I'm like, but that's on the Nintendo Wii U. Why do we, we just got a switch. We should, no, I want to play Mario Kart 8. So he was downstairs playing Mario Kart 8. My daughter was upstairs playing Super Mario Odyssey. And I was going up and down the stairs checking on them. Do you realize how you just said Super Mario though? Like an Italian person would? Super Mario. Eh? You said, you really said Super Mario. Well, and, and we do say uh, Mario here. Uh, right. You're a Mario household. Yeah. Well, we say Mario because that's how Italians say Mario. And that's not true. That's not true, but that's okay. How do Italians say Mario? They say it with the, with the rolling R, Mario. Mario. Yeah, I guess that's true. But we it's say true. ma and not ma. That's true. That's true. We're breaking down the linguistic differences here on Double Density of all of the different video game characters that you know and love. Uh, with that in mind, let's put a button on that and move forward.
We're back here on Double Density. And uh, so let's talk about uh, what we usually do the first half of any episode, which is tech things. So first on the docket is um, a rather contentious podcasting platform that has slowly figured out how to monetize themselves. And in this case, we're talking about Anchor. Have you really heard about Anchor very much, Brian? Well, I heard about them last month when um, people had realized that, so they offer a uh, ostensibly free podcasting service, right? But it turns out that Anchor owns your content is what I'm understanding through the terms and conditions being laid out by several tech websites. Yeah, they there's a post from one of their co-founders and um, you read it as well and you, you thought the same thing as me. It's like he's trying to sell you on something and he says never to pay for podcast hosting, which I completely disagree with because... I don't know about you, Brian, but I couldn't be happier with uh, our podcast hosting service, Fireside. I love Fireside. I love everything in there. I love the layouts. I love, uh, yeah, most of the services that are offered through there. I love it. Yeah, and just the the the, um, the approachability. I mean, you, we can talk to the co-founder of it on through Slack. So, and on, on his show, uh, Back to Work, he talked a bit about Anchor. And as somebody who owns a podcast hosting company, he kind of took offense to the way this guy talked about it in this right, blog so his post name is his name is near zykerman yeah and uh so th- it's also an article that appears on medium.com right which is kind of like it's kind of weird to sh- to shill for yourself um on a website like that right and the whole thing is like so the title of, of the uh the post is called why you should never pay for podcast hosting and yet he never actually explains why you shouldn't pay it's more so like why we do it for what we do yeah and it's super clickbaity and uh, not entirely accurate no, no, I don't. Yeah, exactly. I definitely do not think that it is the most. I mean, it's very biased. If you are the CFO or the CEO of like a company, you're not going to go out and say like, yeah, we, we, we're we doing things a little shady. Yeah. And uh, there, if you go look, uh, there's some few sites I'll post. I'll post the um, links in the show notes. But if you look and see the terms of service, they do kind of own your podcast. Right. So they own all of the content for this. Um, So I don't know if you know this about Spotify, but we we are on Spotify currently and we've entered into an agreement with Spotify where they can alter what we give them in order to insert ads. You know that, right? Yeah, I vaguely know that. I I don't I'm not too worried about that because the main way most people listen to our podcast is through um, old school podcasting, I guess, if you want to put it that way. We're not quite sure, right? Because Spotify actually doesn't give the vast majority of podcasters numbers. Yeah. Uh, so here's an interesting experience. If you listen to us on Spotify, let us know either through Twitter, double underscore density, Facebook.com slash double density podcast, same thing on Instagram, or you can email us at double density podcast at gmail.com and let us know if you are listening to us or either, you know, you can tweet at me or Angela and let us know or send us messages because we're super curious who out there listens to us on Spotify. Yeah, because all we see is one download from Sweden. That's it. That's it. Secretive. Yeah, we see the one download from Sweden. I was like, who started listening to us in Sweden? And uh, then I realized there's nobody except Spotify sucking in our RSS feed. <laughs> that is uh, one way of looking at it. I feel like it's content enabling. Let's spin it that way diplomatically. But now Anchor has decided to up the ante and they finally started to figure out how to monetize. And that is through a Patreon style service where you can pledge um, fixed amounts. So it's a dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars a month, right? Yeah, and they take, I think, 4.5% of that for, yeah. the, for their service, which I think is fair. And I I prefer this than to saying that their podcast service is free, because now you know there's an exchange there, you're doing something. But I don't think their terms of service are going to change, so they still kind of own your content. Right, but they're just kind of compensating you on the on the low. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I think it's fine. It's 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 great to have a service like Anchor. But if you want to keep ownership of your podcast, I'd say look elsewhere. 
Yeah, I definitely do think that there is something to be said about even spending a little bit of money um, in order to be able to, uh, you know, protect your content or own your content right out, right? And I think that you and I are quite happy with the terms and conditions um, outlined in uh, Fireside's case, right? Yeah, they do nothing. I think the only condition we really have with Fireside is to keep our podcasts under 100 megs. I think there's a clause there where if you have like a huge podcast, meaning like 100,000 downloads a week or more, then they have a special service for you. Right. But uh, hobbyists such as ourselves are not getting 100,000 downloads a week. No, uh, that is not the case. Uh, we're near there, though, let's say. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is truly a hobby for us. But what I find interesting is that they have fixed amounts, right? Yeah, that's that's interesting that they you don't you don't really get a choice. No, you don't. And what's interesting is a lot of the podcasts that I like and listen to um, usually will go for the two fifty or three dollar a month option, right? And uh, I feel like that's kind of the sweet spot for a lot of uh, different um, podcasts and what they offer at that tier, um, which isn't available in this case. So it's one or five. Yeah, uh, it's it's just one, five, and then ten, and which ten is a huge amount actually. Ten feels like the kind of thing you do if you wanted to live stream to your select audience, like twice a week or something like that like it has to yeah. be a little more intense yeah exactly but i mean we're gonna keep an eye on this everybody's keeping an eye on anchor to see they, they i think their goal is basically be the youtube of podcasting which i can understand how they feel that way but i don't know man i, I guess like i have a certain ownership over this content that i don't necessarily do over the meager videos i've placed on youtube um so i kind of feel a little differently about that so i, I like how you were saying i guess we'll see how this develops Moving on from all that is new to sort of a uh, feel for retro things, you shared an article over here from The Verge, which is probably your de facto favorite website, right? They're a good site. So basically this article that we're going to link to in the show notes has everything to do with nostalgia, with um, family sharing, with the notion of the family computer and how it's disintegrated. It's pretty much gone, wouldn't you say? I think with the number of tablets, the number of phones, and the number of portable computers out there, it is safe to say that the idea of one shared computer, even amongst uh, lower middle class people, doesn't exist anymore the way it once did. I kind of grew up in the era um, sort of in between, right? Uh, My parents were too old to kind of be into computing. And when my family finally did get a computer, both my sisters were out of the house. And um, I mean a real computer. I did have a, a ColecoVision Atom in like 1983, which uh, I don't really classify as a real computer. What I mean by real is like an actual uh, MS-DOS 5.0 PC that I got in uh, 1991, but it was in my room. Like my parents didn't really care about it. It was more for me. And I had like my new Groilers encyclopedia or whatever it was called. And uh, some very slow motion video of like these cheetahs running in this National Geographic animal CD. And uh, do you remember the game Manhole? <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, I had very rarely. Yeah, 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 I had that too. And of course, like uh, I had Wing Commander two, which filled up my entire hard drive. I had a fifty meg hard drive, fifty megs, Brian. Uh, and yeah, I think it took up like twenty. So uh, basically what you're saying is that uh, tech has advanced in your time. Quite a bit. And uh, the thing I'm trying to get at, though, is like people my age or people like of my generation didn't really have the family shared computer either. Kind of like came after. I think 
you probably grew up with a family shared computer. If I'm not yes, mistaken. we definitely did. Yeah. There was a, a Pentium 133 at one point in my parents' bedroom in one of the houses we lived in uh, that we all spent time on. So yeah, there was definitely like, and that one I think was like, uh, it was a little bit more advanced. Uh, it had a two gig hard drive. Whoa. I know. I know. Which I promptly filled up with uh, MP3s through Napster. I took more than two gigs of pictures at Disney World. See, this is frightening to me. How many pictures did you take? A good 500 at least. Okay, that's not too bad or spread over. Yeah, but they're like live photos yeah. and they take up a lot of space. Yeah, I guess, I guess. Uh, but you're using the, the cloud, right? So you're fine? Yeah, yeah, everything's backed up, Brian. Don't worry. <laughs> like there's redundancies built in? Yeah, I lied. I didn't buy a Switch. I bought a new backup uh, plan. Huge surprise here on Double <laughs> Angelo subverting my expectations with something even more lame than I anticipated. Folks, this is what it's like to deal with Angelo, who also uh, spells his name Angel in the show notes. I do? Yeah, if you go down <laughs> at the end, uh, the last comment in our show notes, uh, you put Angel. And it's appropriate, too, for what the comment is. Right. So I just want you to keep that in mind. But yeah, the idea of a shared uh, family computer really has disintegrated. And I'm kind of worried whenever I start having children, how I'm going to police uh, what they consume. Well, I'm in a very retro household then because my family has a shared computer, uh, which nobody uses except me. But it's there if is they really want to share it. Yeah. Is it shared? No, my daughter does a Scratch Junior stuff on it, and uh, they'll watch YouTube videos on it occasionally with me around. Oh, yeah, uh, but yeah, at this point, it's funny. I, I remember how precious iPads were in 2010? Yes. And now it's like we just throw iPads around my house. There's like so many iPads lying around, it doesn't even make sense. Like a weird episode of Oprah? Yeah, exactly. You have an iPad and you have an iPad. There's, um, there's an old iPad 2. There's an iPad mini. There's my wife's iPad Air 2. And my iPad Pro. And everybody can have an iPad if they really want to. Um, but they end up uh, they end up using those. And it's kind of sad that there's no like huddling around the computer to uh, look at this grainy video of a cheetah running around. Maybe you should uh, kind of uh, create a family time, you know, forced family time to do this, a shared video. You each come yeah. up with the one video. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it makes me worry about what kids are going to be looking at when I'm not around because everybody just has it on their phone. Uh, but I don't want to think about that because my children are still really young children. That's right. They can head over to ogrish.com or rotten.com. Uh, no, uh, here's a disclaimer. Don't do that. Uh, but those no. were the choice websites uh, for a certain subset of teenager out there who enjoyed seeing what the real world could offer you. Yeah, I remember my friend pointing me to these like death things. I like. Yeah, I don't exactly. need to see this. No, thank you. Exactly. It was uh, my friend's homepage for a while, like uh, ogres.com. It was very weird. I uh, thought a good homepage. I don't talk to him anymore. Let's just no. put it <laughs> Mine was Yahoo. Not not yahoo.com slash ogresh. No, no. And this was in the like. Uh, we understand that my 1991 computer was not connected to anything except the wall outlet. Yeah. Uh, it, the internet for you only happened, what, 2005, 2006? <laughs> what? No. I got the internet. <laughs> I had the internet. Uh, I started in, in, uh, using it in college, but uh, that was like the, my first real experience with the internet. It was like, this is amazing. Did you, so firstly, it was at school, then at home? Yeah. And then I got the internet proper in uh 1996 or 97 with like a dial-up connection right uh, was that uh, 28 or 56 56 topping out at 5.14k per second my friend amazing blazing fast i used to download mpegs of music videos because we didn't have cable so wow uh, yeah i used to do that on irc through um irc bots and they let you resume downloads which was a godsend for me 
Yeah, because I have to use the phone because it's busy. So the, the weird thing phone. too about my parents is that uh, I offered to pay for a second line and they refused to, oddly enough, but then they'd complain all the time about the internet being used and the phone being used up. Yeah, I would end up just using the internet like after 8.30 when nobody would be calling the house anyway. Right. But, you know, in my quest to download old episodes of Transformers in real media format and MPEGs of uh, Limp Bizkit's Take a Look Around uh, on dial-up, I needed, I needed that bandwidth, that sweet bandwidth. Wow. Wow. Uh, we have it so good I, now. <laughs> I feel like we're admitting stuff here on this illicitly named uh, episode of Double <laughs> Density, um, which brings me to my point of, I thought I knew you, Angelo. I really thought I did. And then you dropped a bomb right before going on vacation to me that you may not be as lawful as you appear to be, my friend. You're bringing this up now? Oh, yeah, because I brought up my MPEGs of Take a Look Around. It's time to air some dirty laundry on your side. So what are we talking about here, Brian? Oh, we're talking about your bootlegging, Angelo. Okay bootlegging (laughs) Uh, just to be clear i i used to uh i was i guess i still am i don't i haven't watched it in years i was a big fan of buffy the vampire slayer the the tv show uh the movie was fine but like not not a like just a movie Uh, but yeah i I used to record every episode on like what was it sp on the vcr to make it like the The high quality yes and then i would redub it and remove the commercials so i had like this library of all these uh, shows and I, I ended up I recorded the entire series and this one time when I worked uh, so whatever was up until that point uh, I worked at a uh, at a I guess a the music box. yeah as a big box yeah. electronic store I worked in the in the music department and a woman was asking me if she we had the DVD the DVD of Buffy and I'm like well, that's not available uh, there's some VHS tapes of the first season but they're they don't really sell so we don't really have them but I said I have all of them on cassette I, I taped them off of the tv it's like oh can i have a copy of that i'm like oh i don't know if i feel comfortable it's like I'll, I'll give you 20 bucks per tape I'm like okay and it was like five or six tapes so yeah it was good made some money off that did you meet her in the parking lot no she came to my parents house <laughs> whoa yeah was, was like she a, like an older woman yeah i was like like okay wait i was like 19 or 20 so she looked old to me so that means she was like 36 or wow. like 40 or something wow right? Piracy doesn't have a face, my friend. Piracy has a face, and that face is Jack Sparrow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're, all, we're, we're dropping all kinds of dirty laundry here in episode 69 of Double Density. Uh, one last thing in the tech section. Uh, this I feel very strongly about, um, and I'm just going to say this very plainly, but can you, cut, like, and you as in tech companies, uh, stop with the bullshit yearly smartphone launches, please? Yeah, as much as I like... Um phones and well the iphone and stuff uh, as much as i like them as the next guy um yeah i do we really need this i think it's an expectation and they're kind of like living up to the expectation at this point but it's kind of getting annoying so what I feel has happened is that they've created an artificial life cycle for themselves, right? And I think that now they're trapped in this cycle where they need to provide yearly updates and they all need to be of a wow factor. And if they're not, they're imminent failures. So I feel like uh, these companies have created uh, this calendar for themselves in which they rush things to market. And uh, so, for example, like the big thing is like there's a new Samsung phone and the big debate was whether or not it was going to have an iPhone 10 slash iPhone X, because that's what I call it here, uh, style notch, and it did not. And so like that was the big differentiation between these two. Yeah, Samsung's trying to be the anti-iPhone without the notch and the headphone jack and the pen uh, and the big battery. Hopefully these big batteries uh, have been tested thoroughly. Uh, because Looking at you, Note 7. Yeah. I Look, the problem is 
is that we say this, right? Oh, they shouldn't update every year. But as soon as they don't update, they're going to say, oh, Samsung is doomed. Apple is doomed. They're not updating. They're not innovating. So they're kind of trapped. You, you said it yourself. They're stuck in this cycle. They can't do anything because it's like a damned if they do, damned if they don't. If they do update every year, jerks like us are going to say, oh, you shouldn't update every year. And if they don't update every year, everybody else is going to be like, well, I want a new phone. I feel like what they should do is they should drop an off-season announcement saying, hey, we're tired of this. We'd rather give you the product that you want instead of a product on a schedule that no one's happy with. Because I feel like that's kind of the sentiment in a lot of these different kinds of things is that no one is quite happy with what they're delivering to the masses and then the masses complain. Apple did this once with the iPhone 4S where iPhones were coming out in June and then the iPhone 4S came out in October. Uh, they do this with the iPad as well. I, I, it seems like the iPad Pro is going to be on this year and a half cycle, which I think is fine. But like, what more could you want from an iPad right now? Well, what people want now from an iPad is Face ID and no bezels. And the ability to play Fortnite. Yes, I can play Fortnite on my iPad. Well, what I'm saying is like, play it better. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the, these iPads now, like if you buy an iPad Pro, if you buy the iPad Pro that came out last year, which I have, there's so much room for it to grow that you don't really need anything. Even the new iPhones, even two, last year's iPhone. Uh, well, now last year's iPhone is the iPhone I have and the iPhone 10. But uh, the year before that, they were totally fine. And this one's going to be really good this year. But is there anything special on it? Not really. No, no. Uh, I do not believe that there's going to be anything uh, new or innovative enough on even on this this 18-month timetable that would make me care enough to run out and uh, buy one. I think there's also like a, a sort of fatigue that's set in with uh, fans and speculators of this that uh, it's kind of the same old, same old at this point, right? It's been like, what, like 10 years of this? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also like not even thinking I'm going to want to watch the uh, Apple keynote of it. Yeah, I just, I don't even care anymore. Like, it was cool when there was new and innovative stuff. At this point, I just, there's not enough for me to uh, want to care and put attention into it. I'll read the news when it comes out. And we'll talk about it on this podcast. And we're going to tell you it's the best iPhone ever because, of course, it's going to be the best iPhone ever. Because Angelo deems it so. My final words on the subject, friends, family, tech companies, burn your calendars. And with that, Angelo, I will see you over on the paranormal side of things. Good idea. What's up, UFOnauts? It's your UFO guy, Rob Christofferson. Have you ever been curious about the UFO phenomenon, but unsure of where to start? Have you ever wondered about just what crashed at Roswell? Have you ever wanted common sense advice about licking UFOs? The answers don't. Then check out the Our Strange Skies podcast, where we dive into America's rich UFO history and uncover what these sightings say about ourselves. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and most podcast apps, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to look up, because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies. In gray we trust. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal, and I feel like this week we'd be a bit remiss if we didn't sort of very briefly touch on the uh, whole Alex Jones controversy, right? And I feel like a, a lot of outlets have covered this. We're not really going to cover um, a lot of the grounds in terms of uh, the hows and the whys, et cetera. I kind of just want to talk very, very briefly a little bit about um, sort of like how uh, tech operates and sort of why delisting him might be, or like banning him in a lot of these cases is uh, a good move. Yeah. Uh, ATP had a really good discussion about this in a recent episode. I'll put it in the show notes because uh, Mark Arment was actually the first person to delist him from uh, the popular Overcast app for podcasts. Um, what he does usually is he gets podcasts from the iTunes directory, but he can actually go in and 
totally delist uh, whatever podcast he chooses for any reason. And he said most often it's because a podcast says they don't want to be in his directory. But in this case, he went in, he totally disagrees with Alex Jones with what he does. And he said, you know what? I don't want this guy in my app. People could still download it to his app by by finding the URL, but he's not going to make it easy by putting it in a search. Right. And I think a lot of people are kind of questioning the, so, you know, this is coming from two Canadians, right? So keep this with a great insult, but a lot of people are conflating this as a first amendment issue, right? So right now, currently, as we stand, these social media platforms are not utilities. They're not egalitarian, right? And you have terms and conditions. The funny thing is last week, a lot of people, whenever Alex Jones would tweet um, about being censored, uh, they would show a, a screenshot of the Alex Jones Infowars uh, forums. And when you sign up, there are terms and conditions there. Yeah, just like everyone else. So you can't go yeah. in there and uh, talk about things that make sense. You get kicked yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so what I think the reason why people are like, oh, he's doing this because, like, you know, um, a lot of people have stated that it's due to all this hubbub over Sandy Hook. I definitely do agree um, with the fact that Sandy Hook and as well as him uh, doxing essentially uh, these victims and forcing uh, the parents of dead children to move around and then saying that they are liars and actors, I think is in bad faith. And I also think it crosses several legal lines in terms of uh, character assassination. And I feel like in, in those cases, uh, these platforms were very, very right in banning him from there because he crossed over a certain line. So yeah, Alex Jones goes on there and talks about children with gills, but you know, it, he's not affecting someone's livelihood in that way. Is it whimsical? Sure. Is it factual? Probably not. I, you know, I don't have all the proof at hand, but, uh, he has gone in some of these topics in such a way that it makes it difficult for people to gain their livelihood and they become harassed due to what he's put out there. So I feel like there's like a bad faith kind of move there that I feel essentially uh, causes uh, people to want to deplatform him or, you know, unlist him. And I do believe that this wasn't collusion in, in terms of these companies. I do believe they were waiting for one company to start and then they actually had the mechanism in place to just quickly do it across the board. It wasn't necessarily uh, a phone call amongst everyone, but it was really just news items. And then like within, you know, 12 or 24 hours, it was kind of a done deal. Yeah. Like I said, go listen to the ATP episode if you want to hear about this, because it was funny that they said uh, everybody followed Marco's suit, but uh, no, he, he delisted him because of something he said. And then uh, it was mostly Apple who took the charge. And then um, there was some research done uh, to find out if they had talked about it, but they did really didn't. Uh, it was just Apple, then Facebook saw, and then YouTube uh, followed. Um, the the biggest blow to him is ever if, if ever Google decides to like remove him from their search. Yeah, that's, and I mean they they're within the rights too, depending on what kind of stuff he puts up on his website too. Right, like it borders on HP sometimes. Yeah. So, but uh, we got enough political. Let's go have some fun. Let's talk about, um, so in episode 31, we talked about uh, the Bermuda Triangle, which was a favorite tourist destination of many, many people in this universe, uh, not including you and I, but it is um, a mystical marvel of the earth and it has seemingly uh, been solved as we discussed in episode 31. Yeah. So you you posted this article and they're they're talking in, in the Vice article as if it's like this new idea, but this has been around for a bit, hasn't it? We talked about these rogue waves in uh, episode 31. I refuse to call them rogue waves. To me, they are freak waves. Freak waves. Even better. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to call them that. But yeah, so basically the apparition of very, very tall waves has kind of shifted the way in which the ocean kind of uh, percolates. Okay, that's a good term. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's it's an interesting article in terms of like, it's a good summation of what we talked about um, almost half a year ago, more than half a year ago at this point, right? So it's not a, you know, as the uh, subhead of the Vice article says, spoiler, it's not, it isn't a time portal. So that's something that we uh, 
are very happy to note. But yeah, so I feel like the way in which the earth um, and the way in which the local geography works with each other makes sense. Are we happy to note that it's not a time portal? It would be kind of cool if it actually was. Um, but um, Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You come back from vacation and you sound a little less skeptical about these things. Oh, not at all. I'm totally skeptical. Oh. Uh, but as a skeptic, it would be fun for somebody to, to provide me with proof that I was wrong about this and that it is something actually really super cool. Because I, I, we've said this so many times. I'm super interested in the paranormal. I don't believe in any of it. But I find it super interesting, and I find why people believe in it interesting. Uh, and it would have been great if we were proven wrong about the Bermuda Triangle, but we're not. It's nothing special. There's nothing uh, exciting there. It, well, I guess uh, 30-foot waves are pretty exciting. Or 30-meter yeah. waves? Was that something I read? 30, 30 meters. meters? Yeah, it's 30 meters. Jeez, 30 meters is gigantic. That's what I'm saying. And they're coming straight for you, dude. So grab a board and uh, see what happens. 30-meter waves. They, they wouldn't explain planes crashing. I guess that's other stuff. That's the I think I, I think it's yeah exactly I just think it's it's weather patterns and weather networks right yeah they think it's 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 in the middle of the ocean weird things happen there it's Not very very paranormal true. yeah shouts out to the gigantic sharks that no one knows exists yet megalodon you gonna go see that movie no so I tweeted out does Jason Statham punch the thing and someone said no so I have no interest in seeing it spoiler if he's not punching some kind of cryptid I don't care <laughs> is this gonna be like this new Jason Statham universe of cryptids. Oh God, I hope so. Like he goes after Bigfoot. He goes after like a winged creature, like a Mothman type. Oh, I would so watch that trilogy. It's, it's kind of like how, you know how the, the Tom Cruise mummy was supposed to be the start of the dark universe, like it, but it failed horribly. Uh, the Meg made enough money last weekend to seem like it's profitable. So maybe Jason Statham will be hunting other kinds of things. My God. It's Megalodon. Double density. But going back to one of our favorites, uh, I wouldn't say punching bags, but um, um, sort of like uh, things to ridicule on a continual basis. Uh, we're going to talk about the To The Stars Academy and their latest blunder, I think, uh, which is worthy of talking about because it kind of questions, kind of raises a question how safe the documentation that they claim is safe uh, really is. So um, some documents were unearthed of the USS Minutes uh, UFO incident. Um, so originally when this was reported to the stars, et cetera, like a lot of this was redacted. But on August 7th, a random Twitter user had found um, a bunch of documents on uh, to the stars, National Security Affairs Advisor, Christopher Mellon's uh, website. Um, and none of that info was redacted. Yeah, that's a big blunder, especially when it's uh, highly classified documents from the government that you've just left on a hard drive and not taken out the, the parts that they don't want you to show. Yeah. So um, as of press time, a couple of days later, the documents had disappeared. The website was uh, taken offline, but still like the damage is there. And these uh, documents are on the hands of several researchers. Thankfully, it didn't blow up um, that much. And uh, a lot of the researchers who ended up with the unredacted reports are trying to keep things uh, quiet, which is, you know, to their credit, which is great. But still the idea that the very documentation you're trying to prevent to go public goes public, um, despite your quote unquote best efforts, kind of calls into question the uh, integrity of the organization, right? Right at a very crucial time, right? Because they, they recently were talking about the autochthonous skeleton and how they sort of rationally explained what that was, but then it kind of got into this whole other question of ethics. And now with this leak, I think it's just uh, uh, the wave or the tide turning bad a little bit. Sometimes I feel like these types of researchers don't really understand how the internet works. Uh, just the idea of them uh, putting them on their site and making that mistake and then trying to remove them right away, but they don't seem to realize that the internet is forever. Yeah, much like a uh, drunken night out uh, on Snapchat, 
or, you know, on Instagram, uh, things exist. They have trails to them. And I don't know uh, whether or not this was done consciously, unconsciously, if they thought that they had put up the redacted portions and then realized that they weren't, you know, th- there's kind of a lot of questions and, uh, to the stars, uh, has yet to comment officially about this matter. Hopefully, uh, they'll have something for us to follow up on next week. Well, here's to hoping, and let's hope it's not more unredacted documents getting more people into danger. <laughs> An old uh, Blink-182 song. Uh, quick shout out to my favorite podcast out there right now, the Blink-155 podcast, where every week they talk about a new uh, Blink-182 song. And whenever they have a guest on, the guest always, always asks, what's the deal with Tom and the UFOs? And they get very frustrated over this. Um, maybe we should have them on the show to talk about it. I think they'd be down. I'm going to tweet at them to see if they'd love to. Uh, they're very fun guys. They're Canadians too. So, you know, there's that Canadian connection there. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll reach out to them when we have like an appropriate kind of uh, a matter to discuss with them. Let's talk about something that you really, it's strange. You gave me homework this week and I don't know how I feel about that. So you literally texted me, can you find a story about haunted houses? And I said, I'm not your boss, but I, uh, sorry, I'm not your employee, but I will anyways. Uh, So what I've dug up is a Forbes.com article all about haunted houses and real estate. So this is based on a uh, recent survey of a thousand homeowners online who uh, were, uh, questioned about whether or not they would um, buy a haunted house. And so this was done through realtor.com. And uh, there's a couple of very interesting statistics on here. So I feel like we're going to lead into that. And then we'll talk into whatever you want to talk about that is haunted house related. But first, it turns out that 33% of people are open uh, to the idea of living in a haunted house. 25% would consider it. And in the minority, 42% said no way. I wonder if uh, 100% of them realize that haunted houses don't exist. Well, yeah, no. So I want to I want to read a quick quote here from Rob Cohen, a principal with the luxury real estate firm Ingalls and Volkers, Boston. He says, houses with ghosts or terrible histories are what we call stigmatized houses and they are a tough sell. Okay, so I get like I get the part with terrible histories. That I understand. The like thing a murder with, house. like talking about ghosts as if like it's a proven thing. It's like houses with rats or uh water leaks or ghosts. Uh, yeah it's like they shouldn't be entertained at that point just yes if somebody died in the house that i get it It, it, you can maybe feel a little creeped out or whatever but i could be wrong and i'm sure there's people seething at their ipods right now do people listen to this on ipods yes absolutely (laughs) they have the 128 gigs yeah so they're they're seething at their uh mp3 player and yeah look i you know i i don't think ghosts are real uh prove me wrong and uh, I think I might have a guest who can actually. Oh, okay. Um, but I'll line him up later on this year. I'm hoping he's a very elusive figure, but I'm trying to get him on. Okay. I might not be on that show though. I might not be on that episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just found the article really funny because the way they, they, they set it up. Uh, have when you, I'm, have you seen the show Nathan for you? Have we, we've talked about Nathan for you. Yes. And you so say I look a, like him. Yeah. So there's a very particular, and my fiance says you look like him too. And I agree. There's a particular episode where he approaches a real estate agent and he says, we're going to target the 50% of the market that, uh, believes in ghosts and you're going to certify ghost free homes. I think, yeah, I think we've talked about this, haven't we? Right. So I'm not going to go uh, more into detail with that because it is a glorious episode that ends in a completely strange way that I adored. But um, it made me think of this because like, for example, like uh, 28% of people uh, through the survey of a thousand people believe they've lived in a haunted home. 
Yeah, that that blows my mind. Uh, don't they realize it's just their house creaking or whatever? Right. Because uh, 58% noises? of these people who've said that they've lived in a haunted house have said that it's mostly, so 58% of all people have indicated that they uh, believe their house is haunted have said that it's strange, unexplainable noises. Okay, I get strange, unexplainable noises all the time in my house. It's a 10-year-old house. It's not exactly super old. I guess it's 12 years old at this point, but it's just the house settling. It Houses will settle forever. It's nothing to do with ghosts. Now, if these people claim they saw their table get up and like fly across the, the, the room, I think they kind of say that in the story, right? Right. So like 40% uh, of people said they've seen objects move or disappear according to this survey. Okay. So there, that's, that's a little more substantial. Did they get it on video? Of course not. No, of course not. Uh, video uh, is oblivious to uh, ghost waves. You know, you know this. You should know this. Come on. Yeah, just because the ghost waves use alien technology that's not compatible with the alien technology we used to uh, create the iPhone. One of the more interesting things I think is like uh, according to this, forty-eight percent who agreed they'd make, uh, that they would take a haunted house and make it a home said they could tolerate cold or hot spots in their rooms, which I thought was weird. I want to know what the temperature is, and I want to fix it when I can. Yeah, that means your insulation has gone bad. That's there's something wrong with your heating or your insulation. Uh, you have to call Mike Holmes. He'll come and fix that for you. Right. Uh, but uh, the silver lining, I think, is like but when it comes to uh, ghostly touching, you know, a ghost touching you or uh, floating tables or any other objects floating around, only 20% of respondents felt comfortable living in a home like that. So they're cool with uh, temperature changes. They're cool with weird noises. But as soon as a ghost gets physical, they have no interest in this. I, I wouldn't have an interest either. Uh, that would kind of bother me if, the, you know, I'm trying to sleep and a ghost touches me, that'd not be cool. And that's the thing. Tonight, I'm going to be alone in my house. So this is the perfect opportunity for me to get haunted and change my belief structure about these things. To note, though, this is where you uh, accidentally called yourself Angel. Um, so yeah. I think it's very, very pertinent that y you, uh, a man, would call yourself Angel in talking about haunted houses and demons in your home. Uh, are you uh, projecting? No, no. Uh, I had mentioned that uh, the only thing I'd be worried about uh, over ghosts is more about water infiltration and faulty wiring, things like that. And I misspelled my name because we talk about ourselves in the third person in our show notes. Yes, because we want to make sure that we're not stealing each other's ideas. Exactly. Uh, we're not uh, crazy. Uh, but it's kind of interesting that an overwhelming, like, like at least half of the people here responded that they would, in fact, live in a home like this. Yeah, I guess people have uh, a high tolerance for hauntings. So the best thing, though, is that they 40% uh, of respondents said they'd overlook a spirit or two in exchange for a drop in the purchase price. So if you slash the prices on your haunted home, people might come running. Double density. Okay, so I saw a movie recently, which is probably the uh, uh, scary thrill ride of the summer, summer of 84, made right here in Montreal. Uh, it's about a group of kids who think that their neighbor might be a serial killer. Um, but they go to the roller rink in one scene and they have an arcade cabinet. And guess what the arcade game is? Polybus. Correct. I guess you saw my tweet then. And this no, is I didn't. I was, oh. that was a total guess. Gen, like I swear I did not, I'm not cheating. Okay. Yes. No, it was, it was the best, <laughs> like it was the best Easter egg. I'm I saw the scene Brian. and I saw them playing another game and right next to it was an empty cabinet and it had that on it. And I was like, this is amazing. That's really cool actually. Uh, and, uh, do you know the people who made this movie? I don't know them personally, but I mean, they made um, a movie called uh, Turbo Kid a couple of years ago. That was kind of a weird uh, mix of like uh, Mad Max and a, a childhood fantasy, I guess would be the best way of putting it. That's such a Brian sounding movie. This movie is really good. I would suggest uh, going to see that if you uh, want. Um, What's the title really, of it again, Brian? It's called Summer of 84. Summer of 84. Okay. And the ending Not the is, summer of 69, like no. this episode uh, no. title <laughs> number? No. no. Full uh, the, circle. 
the episode of Sin, where we reveal our darkest secrets. Yeah. Me downloading MPEGs, you bootlegging VHS copies of your favorite TV show, not giving up the royalties to Joss Whedon or, and his... Sarah Michelle Gellar is going to come and knock on my door and yell at me. She hands you a DCMA takedown. You're like, what is this? I can't do anything. This is physical. I'll have to go track down that woman. Are you, are you scared of getting swatted right now? No, I hope not. <laughs> me neither. I feel like we're just rambling at this point about movies. I think that like this might be a good place to end it. Angela, what do you think? I, I guess you never even got to why I asked you for a haunted house. Story. Oh, I guess we got to get to that. All right. Why did you ask well, me for that's a because it was, I, w- I was at the magic kingdom at Disney world. Did I mention this? And it was in the haunted, ha- haunted mansion, which I, we did like four or five times because it is my favorite ride. And I thought if there was like, uh, is there a real, such a thing as actual haunted houses and would anybody buy one? And you found the perfect article. So basically you made me do homework to answer a thesis that you had in your head that you didn't share with me. Yeah. Thanks for uh, oh. the good work there, tiger. <laughs> <laughs> I expect uh, some kind of compensation. Maybe I'll make you do a next week's episode uh, alone uh, oh, in the dark in a haunted house. Oh, perfect. Supposedly. I'll be okay. like, uh, I'll be like Scooby-Doo. Uh, Scooby, you're like, are you like Shaggy? Are you Velma? Like, who are you in the gang? Oh, you know what? Maybe I could be like Luigi and uh, keep the Nintendo theme. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You're just, you're just vacuuming ghosts up. Yeah. Super cool. <laughs> you're just scared that I was going to say that you were that stoner Shaggy, weren't you? Zoinks? Is that what he used to say? Yes. Wow. You have lost all touch with uh, pop culture. And guess what? We are going to draw things too close here on episode 69 of the Double Density Podcast. As always, you can reach us over on Twitter, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. You can over to double density.net. Take a look at our pasty white faces on the host page. You, love you can also find that. it. We are pasty. I guess. I'm actually relatively tanned. This is as tanned as I get now. Do you burn it all? Yes. So did I you use, wear a fanny pack, by the way? I forgot to ask you. I did not wear a fanny pack. There are pictures of me on uh, the Instagrams if you want to see them. Without a fanny pack. Maybe you took it off for the picture. I don't know. Maybe you're staging photos now. Oh, maybe. Actually, I don't think I actually posted any pictures of myself on Instagram. Oh, maybe there you go. Selfie there yourself. you go. Nice try there, fake news. Yeah, I did post. I took some really nice pictures. That iPhone machine takes great photos. <laughs> a ringing endorsement here on Double Density. Uh, so, Angela, tune in next week as we open up Al Capone's vault for a second time. Only this time, we're going to use a night vision goggles, and no one in our party will have a great mustache. Angela, I'll see you around, buddy. See you, Brian. Or you can email us at Double Density uh, Podcast. Can I retake that? Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we work hard on making sure this podcast sounds good. So, we mer- <laughs> we mm. work hard on making sure this sound podcast like sounds... Oh, we're hard sound like we, Yoda. <clears throat> we work hard, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> That's going in the bloopers.